This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another season of Driven by Data, the podcast. Powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. We are delighted to bring you season four of Driven by Data, the podcast. And our aim remains exactly the same, to bring you some of the most respected and recognized thought leadership figures from the world of data analytics to share their knowledge, ideas, use cases, and insights across how they've tackled some of the industry's most trending topics and challenges. All that's left to say is sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season four. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by James Morgan, who is the Chief Data Officer at the Crown Estate. So, James, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks very much. It's great to be here. No, pleasure is all ours. I'm looking forward to this. So um, where we always start, James, is by asking our guests to give themselves a brief introduction into their background and, I guess, journey up until this point in time, if uh, if you'd be so kind. Yeah, so I've been doing about data for about 20 to 25 years now. Started out doing retail analytics and insights and then focused a lot on commercial and customer analysis, a lot of geodemographic profiling, modeling, analysis, uh, reporting, all that kind of stuff for the likes of Sky TV and Hutchison 3G in Australia. And then during my time at O2, uh, made a bit of a shift to focusing on the underlying capabilities that you need in place to to really get a da- an organization to be data centric and to deliver value through data what we recognized there was that we we didn't have a single version of the truth there were lots of teams across the organization doing data in different ways with different definitions and things happening in silos so i started writing an information strategy for the company and that's led into working through a, a whole transformation journey at O2 and putting in place the right people, process, tech, and culture to transform the capabilities. And since then, that's the kind of thing I've done in other organizations is really focused on how do you put in place the right information strategy that helps an organization realize its potential, deliver its outcomes through information and what's what's the journey the organization needs to go on to achieve that so yeah i've done that now for places like o2 british gas sainsbury's asda and, and some independent consulting and now i'm here at the crown estate yep nice yeah i was just uh flicking through your linkedin profile there as you was uh, as you were speaking and obviously some fairly sizable very well-known organizations um that you've been in doing this at so yeah very interesting looking forward to unpicking some of that experience james i guess for anybody that isn't familiar um probably outside of the the uk possibly but just give us a little bit more info on the crown estate as a organization and entity if you would yeah the crown estate is fabulously interesting organization um its real purpose is to create lasting and shared prosperity for the nation it's, it's got an interesting hit history leading back to the 1700s 
so established in in 1760 by an act of parliament and we occupy occupy a strange space between the public and private sectors and we act independently and commercially invest to grow the value of the portfolio that that we manage for the nation so we're we're a national landowner um and we focus on leading the energy transition improving to improve the UK's energy security um support inclusive communities drive economic growth and productivity and and take a role in stewarding um, the protection of the resource uh and restoration of nature so we're we're one of the UK's largest landowners um and we're really looking to make a, a big difference in the country through remarkable places and spaces and some of the things that these include are Windsor Great Park uh, a lot of extensive agricultural land retail and leisure assets in the UK's towns and cities uh, and really big iconic London destinations such as Regent Street and St James's uh, and the little little known fact about the Crown Estate is that we manage the seabed and much of the coastline around England, Wales and Northern Ireland mm-hmm. uh, and that plays a, a major role in the UK's world leading offshore wind sector so really interesting organization all of the profit that we create is returned to the treasury uh, each year for benefit of the nation's financing and over the last 10 years we've delivered about 3.2 billion um back into the treasury so really fascinating organization real focus on social sustainability and uh, other top forms of value creation mm. Yeah, really interesting. Well, every day is a school day. Certainly things in there that, that I wasn't uh, aware of. So that's, uh, yeah, very interesting. So obviously, James, you've been there, what, four, five, six months now since the kind of mid, mid-summer, mid I guess. What what led to that point for the organisation, I guess, for you, you know, in terms of your purpose of, of being there, what you were brought in to kind of try to execute, I guess? Yeah, the, the Crown Estate really has an ambitious vision and strategy going forward and what has been recognized is that data is absolutely critical to unlocking the value in the portfolio that we we have and really making sure that we're managing that in an efficient and effective way and realizing all of the opportunities that we can so uh the crown estate been on a, a journey for the last few years to um, become more digitally native and to really embed good practices in in everything that we do. This role is about really taking that to another level from a data perspective and making sure that we put in place the right capabilities um, that can, as I said, unlock the huge the potential that's there. Uh, and what fascinated me about the organization was one, its purpose. And, and the real opportunity to uh, do something that benefits the whole of the nation. But also, uh, from, a, from a data perspective, it's such a, a vast amount of different sources of data. So, for example, some of the work that we do in the marine world um, to bring together and map all of the fabulous data assets um, around the marine environment is something that very few, if any, organisations are focused on at all. And the the team here do that brilliantly well. So the real diversity of that marine data through to information about our our London assets and the ecosystem that they work in, as well as 
the opportunities uh, for the data that we've got um, across our regional estate uh, and in brilliant places like Windsor Great Park. So huge amount of different business outcomes that we're trying to achieve, huge amount of different focuses and a vast array of forms of data that I've not necessarily come across in other roles that I've done. Mm, yeah, nice. I guess does, and this is again, more out of curiosity, does that breadth, um, I guess, create challenges around prioritization? Because obviously there's a lot going on there, you know, different parts of your business and how that impacts different parts of the the nation and, and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's strategic planning time of the year in the organization. And the big things have been around making sure that the organization is joined up by strategic priorities uh, that we're all bought into and that, that we all want to achieve. Uh, and the great thing is in those strategic priorities, uh, as well as creating the, the monetary value, you've got the priorities around our sustainability and net zero agenda um, and the real focus on um uh, society and and brilliant outcomes there so there there is um a great deal of focus on making sure that the the right priorities are set within the organization and what we've been doing a lot more of recently is making sure that our digital and data roadmaps truly underpin those priorities and making sure that we're focused in the right way on on tackling them and the other thing that we can see as we've had the priorities laid out is where actually from a technical perspective, when you look at the solutions that are required to, to solve and support them in the data world, they're, they're often quite similar solutions. So even though the outcome that you're delivering through them is very different, the underlying infrastructure and approaches are very similar. Um, so that, that's been a really interesting thing to do is to say, well, actually, by focusing on this outcome, if we approach it in the right way, we can solve for multiple use cases. Uh, and that's really important to us. But as with all, every organization, there's always, there's always more priorities that you would want to get done than you can do. So you have to be sensible about what you can focus your resources and assets on. Yeah, hundred percent. That makes perfect sense. So, I guess obviously the theme of today's conversation, James, is going to be about you know building, I guess building the right capability and teams and infrastructure to deliver value through the lens of you know helping organisations to go on that kind of strategic transformation, which ultimately you know data plays the a very very big part in, um, and I guess also almost the relationships between how you manage to do that with a lot of the you know recurrent hype cycles that continue to kind of flow into yeah. our world um having been in many organizations at early stages to help on that kind of strategic transformation with with data i guess what advice can you give to anyone listening to this who might be about to or maybe in the midst of you know growing a data analytics capability in terms of things to think about on you know in regards to getting value from data, aligning it with strategic goals, et cetera? I, th I think that that's the most important thing is really focusing on engaging with key stakeholders across the organizations, those parts of the business that deliver value in whatever form and make sure yourself and you've got key resources in your team who can do that engagement activity. 
and can really start to understand what's making people tick and what's keeping them awake at night or what are the real priorities in the organization the problem that i sometimes see in in people in data roles is they focus on the technical side and the architecture so i'm going to build and deliver a brilliant solution really the right approach is to focus on what the organization is trying to achieve what um, outcomes they're really passionate about and focused on and are going to deliver the best return for what investments you can get and if you focus back from what those outcomes are, you can then look at your current maturity. And that's a really important thing is baseline where you are today and then work out the gap between achieving those outcomes and what you have on the ground and focusing on understanding where the issues lie. And what I've always found is it's, it's never just one thing. And that's why, I know it's an old consulting analogy, you have to look at it through a people, process, tech, culture perspective. And some of those most important things that are coming up are the people side of it, the diversity and talent that you need to bring into an organisation to really understand it, the culture side, the ability to get an organisation to a level where everybody can talk a similar language, where the people who need to consume and use data and ask questions of data are confident enough about that to talk about the subjects to get involved in the data world and also that people who are more technical and data focused are able to really speak to the business and understand what they're trying to achieve so that common understanding and people talk a lot about data literacy today is really important and Focusing on the people side, the engagement side, and that literacy is really important. You can then translate that into what do we need to do from a technical perspective? Really important thing as well is do we have the data to meet these challenges? Is that data available? Is it of the quality we need? Is it well-defined? And can we put it in the place where we need to so that we can analyze and understand it? So it all needs to come together to be able to achieve the outcome. But that, that would be the main thing is to focus on the why you're doing this, why you're going on the data journey and what will success look for like for the organization. The other top tip is don't come back with a plan that's going to deliver in two, three years time. Businesses run, okay, yes, on a strategic perspective, but they have an here and now element and the solutions and capabilities you're putting in have to be able to meet the immediate needs as well as the strategic. And a real kind of art in this space, because it's not really a science, is being able to meet the immediate, immediate need uh, while developing your way towards a strategic future. And this is a space that really fascinates me because, and I guess there's probably two parts to this, right? There's, if you think about if you went to anybody in the data analytics world now and say, you know, okay, you're building a strategy, data strategy from scratch. How does that work? And everyone will tell you, you know, start with the business goals and objectives, what their strategic objectives are and work backwards. Yet for, for a variety of reasons, it seems that doesn't always necessarily tend to play out in, in real time. And then you've got this almost notion of quick wins that you know as a, as a buzzword that's been adopted and i think what i often see is that sometimes gets confused uh, at the expense of that 
going in the right strategic direction. So you mentioned there, obviously, you know, the there's a business that needs feeding here and now, which I absolutely understand. How how do you marry the two to make sure that you can give them something that you know continues to get that buy in, keep interest high? You know, you're giving them something to that's kind of adding incremental value as you go, but still traveling in the right direction strategically. Yeah, it, it, it's it's really important up front to have that vision of what real success would look like in the longer term. The way to think about it then is if you understand these short and longer term goals is can they be jigsaw puzzle pieces of that end state picture so that even when you are delivering something really in the short term here and now, are you able to do it in a way that starts yourself along the journey towards the wider picture uh, and that's really important is by putting in some of the right tools and capabilities up front and doing that thinking you're not just constantly going tactical 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 um there are rare instances where there is such a large goal sorry not such a large goal such a large opportunity in the short term where you go okay i'll compromise that but they should be the real exception is Find your way to make each of those deliveries iterative and starting to build out that solution. And also think about what needs to be part of your core capability and which you just facilitate within the organization. So we're talking a lot about deploying things called analytical sandpits, analytical workspaces, where you can put the, the information in fairly raw form obviously properly governed and managed um, into an environment where a savvy end user can can prototype themselves and get something moving and then have a loop to feed that back into a more strategically developed solution. If you don't empower and enable the business, then the learning over many years of doing this is they'll run off and do it themselves in probably a less than optimal way, uh, a very tactical approach, and they'll get bored with working on aligning with any central functions so it's about how do you find your way along that journey the, the shortest route between here and the envision might be a straight line but make sure your zigzag towards it is always heading in the right direction mm, yeah i do always wonder because obviously there's you know many conversations that happen in this space um and you know i think broadly speaking when we think about why is value not being achieved in many scenarios it's you know, many organizations tend to jump into this because, you know, there's a lot of hype around the topic or, you know, fear of missing out or whatever the case may be. And and rather than starting from that strategic objective of how can data fuel what we're trying to achieve as a business, it happens the other way around, right? You know, so to your point, organ I've heard many organizations say, well, we're not quite sure what the use cases could be, but we'll need to build a we'll need a data platform at some point so let's just start right you know and, and and that's almost their justification that they are trying to marry this to some kind of longer term goal and then what tends to happen is 12 to 18 months later you know the ceo comes with their handout saying okay i've just spent five million pound on this new platform what have i got for it and um it never it, quite gets the momentum to, to get going beyond that yeah it, it, it is sadly the case that these things do get developed and and the, the clarity of purpose and outcome isn't there or in some instances, outcome has been delivered, but nobody's bothered to actually shout about it and tell people that it's happened. You, you mentioned in there that the hype cycles. Um, I've been through a few. <laughs> um, I think back in the day, there were things around CRM. There were, there were, there were cycles around blockchain and 
all, all of the activities around that. Uh, th there was the big data terminology. Um, there's obviously been cloud, and now there's a huge amount of focus on all things um, generative AI and AI. And the th the real important thing is always to think actually. I need to deliver an outcome. We have brilliant tools and technologies, but they are only there to deliver an outcome. And actually choosing the right tool to use for a specific outcome is really important. The technology shouldn't be the the overall answer. You have to you have to be selective about what you deploy where because you can create a very expensive solution to a not particularly valuable outcome if if you follow the wrong approach. On the flip side of that, some of the hype cycles have been great because they've helped to bring data and analytics to the forefront of people's thinking and minds. What's really important is to, to properly understand and analyze them and understand where in there the nugget of real change is, because actually the fundamentals that have been built up as good data practice over the years still all stand. I've been told many times, probably because I've been doing this a while and people think I'm a bit long in the tooth and um, uh, a bit set in my ways. I've been told many times that you can throw away all of that thinking, throw away all your concerns about maybe data models or data quality, and somebody will give you a tool that can grab all your data, categorize it, solve all the data quality problems, present it up to somebody, and a unicorn end user can then deliver a brilliant outcome at very little cost. Well, it doesn't happen. People can create prototypes very quickly, sometimes using those methodologies and hugely intelligent people, but you can't actually put them into production or make them happen. It's great to have a prototyping and innovation lens on stuff, but it can't be your only approach. And what you look for, and I'll, 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 I'll use an example in a minute, is when is there really a game changer? And so in recent years, the shift from on-prem capabilities to cloud solutions. The real important there was the thing to recognize was that you need to invest in the cloud native solutions, not that you can just put everything you've got today and put it into the cloud and it'll be brilliant. It's about where are the cloud native things that are really performance very different, uh, functionality very different and massively scalable and can can expand you with you as an organization. And again, into the today where people are talking a lot about generative AI and AI more broadly, there are fabulous things that can be done with it. The mistake is it is to think it's the answer for everything. Um, and that's what you've got to spot for is to say, well, where can you deploy it alongside other capabilities? Where does it enhance your tool set rather than replacing everything? So it's, it's, it's the right tools for the right job, to use a very old analogy. Just a quick one. I'm interrupting today's episode to let you know about our TACT assessment. Our TACT assessment was designed and created to allow you to benchmark yourself against other organizations in your effectiveness in hiring data and analytics talent in today's market. Effectively, we cover three key areas. The internal perception of data analytics within inside your organization, the external perception of your data analytics brand in the current talent landscape, and the third component is your organization's operational effectiveness, which covers things like time to hire, the recruitment process itself, um, 
remuneration, location, etc., uh, etc. Et Them three components are effectively what allow you to understand how effective you can be in attracting and retaining the best data and analytics talent. And the best part, we do all of that for free and put it in a nice shiny brochure for you. I don't want to bore you with the details, so if you're interested in learning more, navigate yourself towards www.obitiongroup.com forward slash talent hyphen advisory. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, you know, many organizations have been guilty of falling foul of those hype cycles, right? You know, the, I mean, the amount of conversations I had probably eight years ago where I'd sit in meetings and say, oh, yeah, you, this team of 10 data scientists that you're proposing to to hire, like you don't need that. You're not ready for that. You know, you're just kind of following the crowd here and you've heard that someone else has done it. And I mean, it sounds great on paper, right? But um, I think that's a very good point. You know, not all hype cycles are created equally, right? You know I mean? Yeah. If you think about recent times, we had data mesh followed by Gen AI flow through in pretty similar time scales, right? Yeah. And I've not heard a single conversation about data mesh in probably six, eight months now, right? You know, it kind of, yeah. that's, that's fallen off a cliff. So I think, you know, the alignment to the strategic transformational goals of the organization is absolutely key. And to not get sucked in by, oh, Gen AI, everyone's doing that. Oh, no, we're going to miss out quick. Let's go and start building, you know, our internal LLMs and, and things like that. But organizations in, inevitably do, right? So Yeah, uh, it's really interesting picking up on a couple of points you said there. Yeah, everybody was trying to hire data scientists. What quickly people realized was that if you didn't have data engineers and people working with the business on what the outcome needed to be, you were very clever, very expensive data scientists had no raw product to really work from. And they were left scrabbling, trying to do the data acquisition, the data transformation, the data wrangling, they used to call it. And they were actually only spending marginal amount of time doing something really that you would call data science. And often it wasn't really based on an outcome or activity that could really be implemented in the business. So for a while, actually, it was far more difficult to find data solution architects, data engineers. And now there's, uh, rather than trying to find um, uh, data scientists, there's a place for them all. Uh, and, that, and that's what's fabulous about the diversity of the data field that you need so many roles. And then things like data mesh, uh, somebody spoke to me recently and said, should data mesh be deployed? Uh, and what I've said over the years in many conversations, there's learnings you can take from what people were trying to do through data mesh. But when you unpick it, you actually need a bit of a hybrid solution. So am I saying everything about data mesh is rubbish? No, certainly you can learn from aspects of it. But to say you're just deploying it as per whether it was a book or not, uh, as per the book, that's a bit naive. So lean into these uh, hypes, understand what they're trying to do and what's different about them and, and take take the precious part out of it and incorporate that into to, to your approach yeah yeah absolutely agree obviously you've spoken a lot about kind of people and literacy uh james throughout this and the importance of, of that you know running in parallel i guess with the kind of strategic transformation that will hope hopefully be be happening um how do you i guess how do you tie all of that together in terms of what what have you done or what do you recommend in terms of you know how you go about 
driving that influence and change, I guess, you know, from a more practical level in terms of how you build your capability as a data analytics leader to make sure that that stuff happens? Have you got anything kind of tangible that you, that has worked for you? Um, yeah, in terms of the overall teams that you need, again, the sensible thing is to look at what capabilities you need to deliver for the organization. So, so you look at the outcomes. Below them is to deliver those outcomes, I need certain capabilities. Within those capabilities always fall people and skills and experience. And underneath that, you start to get into, well, actually, what are then 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 the roles that I need within a team? What are those end-to-end skills that I need to take something from the inception of an idea right the way through to delivering it? And whether you call it a capability framework or a learning and development model or, or, or there's there's various aspects you bring bring to this but what you look at is i say that the roles and capabilities and skills you need within it but then also how are you going to operate end-to-end how are you going to actually run the process of capturing a piece of demand and then all the way through to delivery and people confuse operating model and organization structure often operating model is what are all the components that need to come together in what way to achieve something? Your organization structure is more around how people are line managed and who reports into who. They're both very important. And when I think about an operating model, really important is to have a matrix approach that works blending business resources with more technical resources as a joined up team. So critical in that model is having an advocate in the business, a business owner of an outcome and somebody who can work with you on implementing something and who really wants to use it. You then have them working with more of a business interfacing resource, but they should all be working together as a a squad or a matrix team to to focus on an outcome. The brilliant thing about that is they don't have to be line managed in that way. I always prefer line management through functional expertise because often an engineer may start out as a junior they may even start out as a tester or somebody in ops. They'll but then want to become a more senior engineer, a lead engineer, and maybe a head of engineering in time or, or become a technical guru. Often you don't have people who who dot across um, from teams and, and who are probably an insights analyst one day and then want to become a, a data architect. It, 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 career progression doesn't often happen that way. It can, but it doesn't often so really thinking about how you're structuring teams and organizations and operating model is is really important and within that what you recognize is also you need a vast variety of resources the in in some companies people are looking for these unicorns they look for somebody who can be a brilliant storyteller engage the business talk in their terms then go away design a solution do the coding, do the data management, build it, deploy it, and tell everybody about how brilliant it is. You do meet some of these brilliant individuals, but they're very, very few and far between. Um, and and some of those unicorns are very elusive if they ever exist at all. What you recognize through that is actually you need a massive diversity of skill set and capabilities, uh, all the way from your storyteller through to people who prefer coding and they don't like as much interaction with people um and 
everybody in between. Um, and I remember in one organization when I was writing up job descriptions, I think I wrote 35 different job descriptions for data roles. And there's a fabulous diversity in that end from somebody who's going to analyze insights, who's going to do geospatial work, who's going to do data engineering work, solution design, and superb thing for a, in a data uh, organization or a data-centric organization, there's a job for all of them. And that then leads on to the diversity of the workforce. And what I've been passionate about over the years, and luckily worked in, in a number of organizations that, that are very aligned to this, is that you need huge diversity in your team. And that diversity comes through many angles, um, gender, um, you've got racial di diversity, you've got um, diversity of personality types, you've got neurodiversity. Um, really, in places like the Crown Estate and others I've worked in, what you want to be doing is represent representing the population. All the Crown Estate here, is here to do is to create value for the UK. And what you recognize you need in the data team is people that represent the whole of the UK. And I say that's from all those angles. And in there, what's great for that as well is that you have a variety of skill sets and roles that you need to deploy. Um, and looking through both of those diversity lenses, the best teams are, are the blended, most diverse teams. Um, so I've been really pleased to champion that in a number of organizations. Um, that's why I work with the likes of Women in Data um, to, to make sure that there's a proper focus on driving the diversity in an organization, but also what do you need to do when speaking to, to youngsters in this space about getting them to study the right subjects, getting them to understand that there's a career in data and hey, it's pretty good and it's pretty interesting and you can be many things in that. So yeah, a lot to unpack there, but people, culture and diversity and how you approach it is really important. Yeah, 100%. I think, um, I mean, the industry's seems to me it's even come a long way in that regard over the even over the last you know two or three years there's been a significant improvement in even just the acknowledgement that yes building diverse teams has its benefits in terms of outcomes and results but actually um if you focus on as you said you know the diversity of thought piece so you have people with all different skill sets and and backgrounds and experiences that in of itself will create a more dynamic and diverse workforce in terms of you know gender um ethnicity so on and so forth right and i think um i think we're moving in the right direction there that in not all of our team needs to be a technical wizard right which i think we've probably as an industry been quite historically um bad at you know most of the data analytics teams that we me and myself were, were helping organizations to build even five ten years ago were very much you know you're an architect you're an analyst you're a um you're an engineer or you're a scientist and it was kind of that was it whereas now obviously we have all of these other great functions coming out of out of that that are being built into data analytics capabilities as you said like the storyteller or the translator or um you know comms teams and culture teams and change teams and all of that type of of good stuff so i think we're we're moving in the right direction there do you do you think there's a, a right way to do that out of interest because I, I think this is something that 
sometimes organizations can get wrong and it almost becomes inadvertently i might add but almost becomes a tick box exercise that okay we need to build a diverse team so we'll go look for more women more people of color more people that are neurodiverse as opposed to focusing on the skill set that they bring and then by default almost that should take care of the rest if that makes sense yeah it's really important that you 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 truly believe in it um and it's really important for me and, and certainly was part of um, my thinking thought process when I joined the Crown Estate is I'll, I'll only join an organisation that really believes in this and is not just playing at it. And when you do see organisations playing at it, sadly, it's it's obvious. Um, and even if they do attract the right talent, what they somebody would then not come into is the open environment that you need. And that's what's really key to making it work is to talk openly in the organization about diversity, to um, bring it into the everyday life and be clear to everyone that the environment is a safe environment and that intolerance won't be accepted. Um, and that's the real difference is promoting advocacy of different groups in an organization and having a range of activities that allow individuals to come alive and to be themselves as much as they want to be at work. Um, and it's really important to, to have that safe environment and to be clear that people can bring as much or as little to work as they, that they want to, but what they do bring, they will be treated correctly and it's safe. And to me, sincerity in this place comes over um if, if you're not really taking it seriously you'll be found out pretty quickly and quite rightly too so on the the side of that and that's why organizations th th there's a lot of talk about setting a target um and making sure that we we have to fill that quota and being obliged to fill a quota is the wrong approach um it was really important to to have goals and objectives in the right space, but saying no, I must fill this number drives the wrong behaviour um, and won't create the outcomes that people are looking for. Um, so, yeah, you, you've you've got to approach it in the right right way, and you've got to make sure that you're being genuine about it. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I think um, I, I speak fairly openly on this james but i think unfortunately a lot of organizations they talk about diversity and they use the language but actually what they often refer to or are referring to is representation right yeah. and don't get me wrong that's very important um because if you don't have a diverse team and as you know we we have many conversations with many organizations who will say things like oh we'd love to have a better shortlist of women or people of color or whatever the case may be but it's i always try and position it as well but if you're not a diverse organization it's not just as easy as going hiring a woman or hiring a person of color or someone that's neurodiverse or whatever the diversity metric is because they look at that and think well there's nobody like me in there so why would it? obviously that's not a diverse workforce so it's not that easy so it is important but to your point if we're talking about having to hit quotas of 
this, you know, many diverse hires in quotation marks, then what you get is a focus on representation, not actually the end state of do I have a really balanced, mixed viewed perspective, background experience, skill set team from all different walks of life that can bring something fresh and different and, and all work together. Right. So I think um absolutely with you on on that. And um yeah, commend everything that you've uh, that you've just said. Um very conscious of time james it's been a very uh very interesting discussion we've kind of gone uh around a few different kind of hot spots here but i guess to finish obviously bringing it back to aligning it with okay strategic transformation having the right team making sure that's a diverse team building the foundations or something that then is scalable beyond just that single use case so that you know you can kind of allow you to flourish into the the strategic objectives are there any kind of i don't know key things that you've learned from your career that you'd say look if you're starting out on this journey here are the few things that i would really consider you to to urge before you kind of you know just start building stuff um that that it is a journey um and and you really need to consider that a lot of components need to come together to make it work you've got to think of it we talked a lot about the business outcome side of things so, so if i park that for a minute there's a lot around well where is the data lots of people forget the operational environments of companies and the fact that that's where the data originates and starts to flow and you've got to think about those operational environments and the interoperability between systems and data and flow between it so think about where the source is coming from think about how are you going to bring it in? And you need to think about that whole end-to-end life cycle of acquiring data, uh, collecting it, curating it, bringing it through the systems, using it and delivering an outcome. And take a step back. That's, that's, a, that's another trick in this. Look at it from the 50,000-foot view and look at, look at it in the round and as a whole. And then on the flip side of that, don't procrastinate for too long waiting for the right opportune moment, waiting for exactly the right solution, it'll never come. So once you've done your reflection, your consideration, then get on and start to deliver it through bite-sized chunks or thin slices, whatever the terminology you want to use, and start to go on the journey. And because the other learning there is you can only quite rightly get away for so long in showing sort of the presentations and the slideware about what you're going to do. And when you're going to get value, you'll only gain credibility by actually delivering something that people want and use. And it becomes a snowball then. If you can show a piece of delivery, a, a great outcome, and you can show the roadmap for when they're coming, then you'll get the belief and trust. Um, hang it all off of a big business case that will land in a few years' time. Most CFOs are pretty savvy at that these days. So so there, there are a few of the, the thoughts to bring it together. Nice. Yeah. Final question for me then to, to finish. Obviously, there's a lot made of in, you know, debates in events, probably podcasts, definitely on this one and, and many are like it, I'm sure. And, um, you know, LinkedIn debates and, and so forth and so on about the, the notion of delivering value, the complexities around that and the fact that value is means different things to different people in different contexts, in different organizations. Um, why do you think that it does prove to be such a challenge for many data leaders to get to the point of, I guess, quantifying and articulating the value of, you know, what they're delivering, I guess? It's a real challenge because the truth of it is, is that actually underpins 
everything in an organization, but it doesn't ever deliver in its own right. So you have to integrate what you're doing into the way the business works and makes decisions or delivers outcomes. And what's so difficult about about proving the value is it often becomes a discussion about which element of all those things that came together end to end, which part of that was data and how much of that overall value can you attribute to the data and the piece. Uh, I worked with somebody a few years ago and probably quite right approach in his thinking was you have to just get the organization to the position that they believe that data is intrinsic in their overall success and not just focus on proving that in pound signs. Um, whereas I get the ethos on that, lots of organizations do need the proof as well. So I think what you've then got to do to to to, to really nail this is one, get an agreement up front that these things do underpin strategic outcomes and you may not be able to measure everything, but then work with whoever you're developing a solution for upfront on what those success criteria are and what value they will attribute to something. And there are certainly cases, definitely in the marketing world, definitely in operational efficiency worlds, where you can empirically put something on it. So I think that twin track of just really getting the belief in the organization and the understanding that it's it's part of the way we work, part of the whole functioning of the organization, but then take those selective pieces where you can get somebody in the organization and ideally somebody in a finance team always as well to say, yeah, I agree with you on that. If you do that, it will create that amount of outcome of saving or value um, and, and have the agreed metrics and measures for success. And I think agreeing that stuff up front at the beginning of the journey rather than trying to post-rationalize it is really important. So you know what game you're playing. Yeah, hundred percent agree with that. I think a lot of um, a lot of the conversations I have about this topic, you know, what tends to shine through more so than anything else is it's that almost ability to build relationships with the key stakeholders that you'll be working with and have some kind of you know loose agreement up front that you know this is ideally the way it would work and are you in agreement with that and continue to build and evolve that relationship as you as you go and as you rightly said, you know, the end game should be that everyone just understands that data underpins all of the success that we're having in some way shape or form and but i guess that's the huge cultural shift that we're trying to move the narrative along right so um yeah very interesting well james look really appreciate your time thank you so much for coming on the show uh, it's been a very diverse conversation and um yeah look forward to catching up with you again soon thank you uh, it's been a pleasure to to have the conversation and really enjoyed it that's it for this episode of driven by data the podcast i hope you enjoyed it I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.